Hey guys, you like science? You like learning? We can't cover everything on this podcast, certainly not as in-depth as I'd like to all of the time. Well, here's an important topic you need to know about. Water. Do you have it? Are you drinking it? Where is it coming from? All sorts of important questions you need to know. There is now the new Waterline podcast, which is an initiative of the Israel New Tech, a part of the Israeli Ministry of Economy and Industry. Waterline podcast aims to bring the latest scientific advances in technological solutions while exploring economic models and identifying key players in the global effort to secure water sources, create efficient water usage, and make water safe for everyone. I just checked out a really cool, interesting episode called Want Not, Waste Not, Wastewater. It's all about what happens to your wastewater. It's going to waste a lot of times, but does it need to? Absolutely not. What happens to all that discarded wastewater? Once treated, it has uh, economic and ecological value that can even drive nation's economies. It could even light up your house. How? Find out on that episode of the Waterline Podcast. Search Waterline Podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I'm in Keithville, Louisiana, at the wonderful Chimp Haven. I'm going to be talking with Chief, Chief Development Officer Ruth Frazier and Behavioral Specialist Leilani Case. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Good. Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for... Uh, I, one, I got a wonderful tour already of the facility. Um, could you... So what is Chimp Haven? Where am I right now? What do you guys do? You are at the National Chimpanzee Sanctuary. We are a retirement facility for chimps, most of which were used in research. And now they get to live out the rest of their lives here at our wonderful sanctuary. So most of them were used for research, and then they, at a certain age, they just no longer. Uh, what's what's the usual conditions? Is it like a research facility? Um, you, you focus on what <laughs> on life after being here. Right? We sure do. And we don't then, spend a lot of time um, talking about or discussing their lives right. before they reach Chimp Haven. We really just focus on the quality of life they have now that they're retired. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll move right past that no question. Um, so, uh, so how many uh, chimps do you have here at Chimp Haven? Two hundred and four. Um, awesome. How many? How long has Chimp Haven been awesome? Uh, been open over 10 years almost 11 it was um founded i believe actually 20 years ago in 95 but they didn't start receiving residents and get everything built up and finished um until 2005 so and how long have you both worked here i've been here for almost three years me too three years the end of this month really so how did you uh, were were both of you um just interested in chimps, or did you just were you originally just interested in nonprofit work? How did you get interested in this position? These well, positions? I have always wanted to work with animals since I was very young. And, and by the way, listeners, this is Leilani oh, talking right now, who is the behavior specialist. Right, and when I went to college, originally I wanted to do wildlife and then I kind of thought about marine biology but I really found that I loved primates in particular. I like all primates. I'm I'm not only in love with the chimps, but I do love them. They're very special. But I got my bachelor's of science in zoology at Wisconsin 
And then after- I'm from Wisconsin. Really? Yeah, Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where'd you go to school? I went to the University of Wisconsin Madison. Oh, nice. I'm actually from Austin, Texas, and everyone's like, "Why'd you go way up there?" And they have a pretty good program. And then they, um, nice. I wanted to get Madison's out of. Madison's like a small right. Austin. Kind exactly. Of. That's what a I tell small, people. What's the capital? Austin. Plus yeah. the university. So it is. It's very similar, except cold. And I wanted to go away from Austin. So I. Got my bachelor's, and then I came back to Austin, and I worked at a variety of places. And I did work with chimps prior to working with chimps here. And then where, I where at? Um, at a place in Texas, a lab in Texas. Cool. And then I got my master's at um, Texas State or Southwest Texas State, and I got my master's in anthropology, and I studied owl monkeys, which I love. And then I applied here, and after working with all these different places with animals over time, I just knew I wanted to do something in sanctuary work where I could help them live out the rest of their lives. So I actually have the best job because I get to make their retirement fun. What's, what's, the, what's the average age of a chimp that comes here, would you say? I mean, that, that might be uh, it's probably a huge range. Do you, can you give me like a sort of range of what you typically see here hmm yeah it ranges widely um the majority of our residents are adults i i hope that our listeners are hearing all the chimps going yeah. wild right now are they They're actually are they, right below us are they getting fed right now is that what's they going might on? be getting oh. fed or shifted oh, okay. but they also have disagreements naturally so they'll they'll let you <laughs> yeah. know when they disagree so you'll um, hear them <laughs> so anyway it, I interrupted you. Oh, um, oh well. So we've had a large range. We've had some younger juveniles, and then all the way up in, into senior and, and into their fifties. They'll even come here. But I think the average age was somewhere in the thirties, and now it's somewhere in the twenties. What's the lifespan of a, a, a typical um, chimp? In the wild, it is around the thirties. But in captivity, because of excellent care and regular food and everything like that. It is. It can be much older, mm. although they are considered geriatric by thirty. So it would. It's extraordinary when they live past thirty, basically. Yeah. Um. I don't know the average mm. age of death or anything. Um. So Ruth, how did you? You're the uh, chief development officer. How did you find yourself doing that? Well, I don't have any background in chimps or primates. I do have a background in nonprofits, though. Uh, my experience really comes in nonprofit management and fundraising. So I've worked at a variety of organizations. This is my first animal welfare organization, and it was just an amazing opportunity to work for a national organization and to help provide care for these, um, these animals, really, who um, rely on us for their retirement. Hmm. What what is um so when when you got trained kind of in, in animal welfare mm-hmm. what is it cuz i cuz i've read before that there's like there was originally five tenants in animal welfare and in certain standards like that do you do you you're looking at me like you don't know what i'm talking <laughs> about right now um uh-huh. what what um what kind of Things are you trying to inform the public about how um, what's necessary for these animals and how they're cared for? Sure. I mean, I think Leilani can talk a little bit more about what it takes to care for the chimps, but I'll tell you um, from a bigger picture, our mission really is first, you know, to provide permanent sanctuary to these chimpanzees, but it's also to educate the public about chimps, uh, chimps in the wild, the need for conservation, and what it takes to care for a captive chimpanzee. We're trying to educate the public really about conservation and what it is um, that affects chimpanzees on a global level and what they can do on a local level as well Mm. that impacts their lives. So we have a wide variety of education programs, and we reach, I think, over 5,000 people every year through those education programs. What kind of programs are they? We have our Chimpanzee Discovery Days where we're open to the public six times a year. They can come out and see part of our facility and see the chimps out in the forested habitats and also participate in a variety of um, educational activities and games. 
it's fun for the whole family, you know, lots of, lots of things to do and see when they come out here on those days. Yeah, I just got a fantastic <laughs> tour. Oh, I got a right. private tour, which you listeners <laughs> won't, won't get, sorry, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but um, definitely make sure and come out during those days and see all the chumps and the amazing, um, huge facilities that you guys have. I think another one of our big programs is Classrooms That Care, where our education specialist goes into classrooms and talks about chimps, talks about chimp haven conservation and different issues that affect the chimps. And then those students actually have an opportunity to come to chimp haven for a field trip and, and get a little behind the scenes tour, kind of like you did as well. And, you know, we're proud of that program where we reach hundreds of students every year and things like that. Um, you know, we do workshops for boy scouts and girl scouts. They can come out and earn badges. And so there's a, it goes well beyond just caring for the chimps. It's opportunity. I never had an opportunity to get a chimp badge right? when I was there. Yeah, I know. Been, that yeah, would have been my first badge it's, when I was in Yeah, Boy it's special. So we, you know, yeah. I think we're impacting people in ways that, you know, the public doesn't often realize. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Leilani, what, so a, a chimp shows up here. What's the first thing that happens when a chimp arrives? Well, we are with the chimps usually in transport at some point, and then they arrive here and they get put into uh, their area where they're going to be housed. They have to be housed separately for a period of time called quarantine. And so they come with their whatever groups, mates they came with, they can go with right away because we don't, we don't ever want to house them alone. But when they come here, we can't put them with anybody else because we don't. We don't necessarily know everything we need to know about them right away. Plus, they need to be TB tested. And so we do that initially, and we usually introduce them to all of our fun enrichment. That's mostly what I do. And we start to get them on the routine that we have for the whole facility, and they get accustomed to the new people, and everybody tries to go and meet them, but not too much at one time because they have to adjust as well, because it's all very new for them. Mm -hmm. And then over time, once they're cleared out of quarantine, then we'll um, start to maybe introduce them to larger groups. We try to have um, the recommended group size of eight, which I think the AZA recommends. And so to do that, if they come in, like say they come in pairs, over time we will try to introduce them so that they have a nice large group because it's really important for chimpanzees to be housed with other chimpanzees. That is the most important thing you can do for them. Mm. So when you talk about having all of these different um groups are they is, is there how how are you putting them together uh, what are, are there like different personality traits that you kind of try to match um new chimps with or how does that process work it all depends on so many factors so we actually have a whole team of people that do that just deal with what we call our introductions. And what, so what we do, I mean, it's really interesting and really fun because one of my favorite parts of my job is to do the introductions. That's what we call it when, we, when new pe chimps meet new chimps. So we, if we have some records on them, we'll know a little bit about their personalities, whether they've been housed with juveniles before, whether they've been housed with males or females. It all kind of depends on where they're coming from. We take all of that information Plus, they've been here for a little while. We'll try to gather information while they're here. So given if, like, say one of them um, doesn't particularly like older males, we would not necessarily try to house them with an older male, maybe younger males or something like that. So we do take personality into account. But at the same time, we want them to be with their conspecific, so the other the other chimps, and so we do want to encourage them to be with a kind of a variety because you don't want a group that's all old or all young. You mm -hmm. want to mix so that everybody can learn from each other. And so then we take that information, we all discuss it, come to an agreement on who should go with whom, and then we try to introduce them in a in a regulated kind of fashion over time. We don't want to surprise everybody all at once. But my favorite part about introductions is when a match is made, so they do really good together. So the first thing they'll do, they'll run in and they make a bunch of fun noises, and they'll hug, and so they'll do all these really positive chimp interactions like mouthing and, and laughing and playing, and I love that part because when they are new, they 
haven't they don't know each other until when they come together and they're like, oh my gosh, you're my new best friend. I'm like, yay, I did this for you. <laughs> and so I really like, that's my favorite part of like the introductions is we're like, here's a gr- nice big group. And we've done over 200 introductions here at <laughs> Chimphaven. I've been a part of many of those. Um, and it all varies. It, and it's all different every time. Sometimes we have to come up with a new plan. Someone disagrees with somebody. We have to go in and out, bring them in, come back later. That kind of thing. It all varies. But really the goal is that they And so once they get settled in, are they kind of with the same group then for the rest of their lives, essentially? Yes. We encourage them to stay. It basically becomes their new family. And we encourage their family to stay together if we can we can make that happen. We want them to stay a part of a group. We don't separate and reintroduce all the time or anything like that. Hmm. If there is an issue though, we don't hesitate to to move move groups or or suspend an introduction or something like that um because there's there's some factors with separating groups that are just kind of clear cut with you know certain chimps have. Uh, are you have the infected ones, and the some some have what is it uh, like HIV and yes. Yeah, so we have a variety of viral statuses here at Chimpaben, and it can be a variety of um, viruses. So it, I think right now we have Hep C, Hep B, HIV, HIV, SIV, CPZ, and a few others, and. We have to take all of that into account when doing an introduction because you don't want animals who are not infected to be then infected because it can shorten their life. So we try to... Typically, it does. A lot of these diseases that cause humans all sorts of problems don't really affect the chimps all that negatively. Well, we're finding out more about it as time goes on. It doesn't, doesn't. They don't really do... HIV is not really a factor right now for chimps because it does not usually present as full-blown AIDS. Mm. However, those infected with it have had viral loads that can cause them other issues. You know, so if you have a high enough viral load, it'll lower your immune system. Mm -hmm. And so you get other things, but usually not full-blown AIDS. But for hepatitis C, I believe that that does cause um, some issues. Mm. But for hep B, I don't know much about it. We usually inoculate the ones that they're going with anyways because we have that vaccine. So, Leilani, is it fair to say, though, that chimps don't present with symptoms of those diseases in the same manner that a human would? I can't speak to... I don't know enough about okay. hep C. I yeah. do know not for HIV. Right. Yes. Yeah, we don't have to get... I, I mean... <laughs> hey, H- HIV in humans used to not be a deadly thing, and then it evolved. And it, back in the 50s, it was just not that big of a deal, and then it eventually evolved. So who knows what it could potentially do in the future with chimps. Or, um, right. but, but So that's the importance of, of separating them and making yes. sure that all, all of the chimps don't end up getting um, infected. So what's, what is the largest – you said like eight's usually about the norm. What's the largest group that um, – groups that you have? Our largest group has 23 um, individuals in it, and they range from age two and a half, three and a half, sorry, three and a half, two. Um, some of our chimps, we don't know their ages because they were captured in the wild, and so when they came here, they were estimated ages. I believe Rita is in her 50s, but I don't know exactly her age. So are those are those chimps just... Uh, a tad more social <laughs> is that why they end up uh, um well doing actually i think group? the impetus for that group was because they had some oops babies so we had a very prolific male named conan and he, <laughs> even though he had had vasectomies they failed and so he has three oops babies here. Yeah. And I, I have an oops brother like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, start, so do I. Start calling my dad Conan. <laughs> right. And so, right. So he, I, and it was all him. We did the genetic test to make sure. Definitely all Conan babies. And so because we knew that group was good with babies, when we received chimps that had younger individuals under the age of five, we put them together. And it worked out beautifully. They are an Awesome, very social group, gets along most of the time. So really, and and the the other the other males don't have a problem with uh, with the offspring at all that that you can tell. Or were were no. they 
maybe they were off. They were also mating a little bit with the female, so there might be paternity questions or right. something. So they don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, so in the wild, they would. <laughs> they'll even sneak off <laughs> right. with like a lower ranking male or something. In general, um, the highest ranking male, which Conan was. Um, uh, uh, father's the most offspring, but um, there were other males in the group right now, and um, there's only the one right now. But they do, since paternity is uncertain, they generally allow all of the offspring into mm. a group. So, um, and and it, which that might not be like that in the wild often, right? With, with well. Chimps. In the, they're not like, okay, so like a lion will have like a pride and they know. Right. Or a gorilla has a harem. Right. But that's not true for Jim. They live, their biggest bond is, oh, sorry. Their biggest bond is the males. So most of the group concentrates around the male friendships. Hmm. And so it's really actually important that they are housed with other males. And so in the wild, they will be these big group these big friendly groups of males that cooperate together and they will not necessarily know paternity and they the females actually emigrate from the group when they become able to reproduce so in your group it's usually you'll stay with your brothers and grow up with them and right become alpha and yeah it's all around the to avoid incest females have evolved to kind of just once they start hitting that Age, they just yeah. split. They yep. just have a natural inclination to be like, "See ya." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I wonder how it is in humans if there's a if the males or females. Um, it, yeah, it's a good question. I yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. How that works. I'm going to look into it. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, Ruth, how many how many different enclosures are there at this um, facility? Did I just <laughs> How many? Okay, we have. Take, give me a rough estimate. Is fine. There are dozens, I would say, and there are a variety of different enclosures, uh, each suited to the particular chimp's needs. Can you talk a little bit about the different kinds? Of yes. Either one of you. So can? we have habitats, playgrounds, play yards. Courtyards. Courtyards. We have a variety <laughs> of different... Gym. Yeah, jungle gym. We have a variety of different locations. Um, some of them are open top, so they don't have anything over them, and some of them are not. We've found that many of the chimps actually prefer to have something above them because they can bracheate around the enclosure. They but can what around them? Brachiate. They can swing. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. Arm yeah. over yeah. arm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like when kids do... Actually, it's funny to call um, monkey bars monkey bars because not very many, if any, monkeys brachiate. It's really an ape thing. <laughs> and so what you do is that overhanded thing. That's yeah. what they prefer to do. And so when that, so some of our enclosures provide that to those individuals who really appreciate that. But then we also have habitats that allow for climbing and also brachiating. And then they also all have indoor areas, which includes um, off-the-ground areas to sleep and rest. and Kind of like hammocks or... Yeah, we have hammocks. We have... Um, they're called perches or shelves. Mm. And we have the wooden structures. All of those provide different places for them to go up and down because that's what they want. And right. uh, I, when, when looking at the facilities, I was struck by a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of options given to the chimps, so they can they can be outdoors in the open air, or they can go inside and cool off. We're in Louisiana, where right, yes, yeah. I'm in here in July. It gets a, a little bit warmer. Well, what what's the what's the like natural climate where chimps are from? What what kind of climate have they evolved for? Mostly subtropical. In that kind of forest, they would have high humidity, but relatively low heat because of the canopy. Oh, I see. So, yeah. Cause so it's I, a little I know, hotter here, but almost just as humid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I noticed um, like one of the facilities, they were all outside because they were uh, one of the staff was cleaning the inside out for them or whatever. And then... Um, 
you know, as it's getting warmer throughout the day, I know as soon as it was done, they all, uh, they all wanted to get inside and into the cooler yeah, air. Right. And that's something, um, we like to stress here at Champhaven is freedom of choice. Our chimps have the choice about how they want to spend their day. And if that's outside, great. And if that's inside taking a nap in a hammock, they have the choice to do that. And even food, they have a lot of options, right? Mm -hmm. As far as their, their diet's concerned. They do have options. They certainly all get uh, fresh fruits and vegetables every day. Primate protein biscuits to make sure all their protein needs are met. And then I think, you know, Foraging mixes like nuts and seeds. And then, of course, Leilani and her job gets to come up with really creative ways to give them foods and novel treats. Yep. Mm. Today, they're all going to get frozen grapefruits because it's hot. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's a way that's, to get grapefruit, which they don't see a lot. <laughs> and then also it's frozen, so it's nice and cool. It's a good treat. Yeah, you, you try to give them um, some novel things just mm-hmm. to kind of stimulate them a bit more. Um, yeah, we've and- fed them so many fun and interesting things. One of my favorites is coconuts because they we try to give it to them whole, but not everybody can open their own coconut, so we do break open some. But in general, they'll figure out how to like pound it onto something hard and open it up, and that takes them some time, and it's interesting and new and tastes good. So, huh. and it's really important to give them ways to work and forage for their own food, right? Because in in the wild, they would normally spend a lot of their time. Mm-hmm. foraging for food so i think that it's important tell us why it's really important to make them work <laughs> it's really work okay it. so, i mean it sounds kind of weird but yeah we really want them to spend a variety like a good deal of their time finding or processing food because they would in the wild so it's about 60 yeah. percent of their time in the wild so we try to emulate that here yeah humans have seen what what being a couch potato <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> right so we try to i mean it sounds a little weird to try to make it difficult to get the fun food but we do because yeah. it it keeps them busy. It's just like for a person like opening a eating crab or something. That takes you a long time for a small amount of meat, but it's very good and it's fun and interesting. Right. Um. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but that's so. That's actually the main part of my job is to make it as fun as possible for them to get different food. So. And I was um, I was surprised um, I, because I guess I didn't really think about it. I was surprised to see um, that that you guys actually had because because when you first come in, it's a lot of um, uh, there, there's a lot of kind of cement enclosures with with large walls, so they can't go out and uh, in, <laughs> invade Keithville. Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> because they are about. Uh, what seven to nine times stronger than humans yeah. or so, something like yes. that um uh so n- that's not good for the chimps or the people um so but but i was surprised there's these um uh, enormous areas or, or how, how many acres is this facility we have two um about 200 acres here yeah. And there's a, is something like half of that's being used at the moment? Uh, right. Not all of it is utilized at the moment, um, and not all of it's suitable for building, but right. we do have room to expand. Um, but I I was on the tour, I was taken by the, um, I, I, I guess, island or whatever that you would call it. The, habitat. The, the well, island habitat. Yeah. Was, Forested habitats. Yeah, because yeah. I, I was, at first I was like, how, how do you keep them from... Yep. Running away, but but you just have a little moat around mm-hmm. the area, and so you just have this very natural forested area that that um, that they can hang out in. Um, and it, do do some of the chimps have like different preferences for um, either or or the hab- like? What do you mean? Like d- at the d- habitat? different habitats, like yeah, definitely. And some of them have medical conditions that don't allow them to. Um, go out into the habitat for a variety of reasons. So we have other enclosures, like I said, with the bars over top or something that allow for them to get around and have more choice, but within their medical limits. Right. And so... Just um, like a lot of nursing home facilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got to keep a little closer eye on. Assisted and, living. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A more, so right. like some of the things that we've done are build ramps for those that have mobility issues, things oh, like that, so adorable. that they can get up to different areas of their enclosures. 
things like that. And some of them prefer to be out in the habitats or outside even when it's hot or sleep outside. The only time we really don't give them access to both indoors and outdoors is during the cleaning, which you saw. Other than that, they have the choice, like she said, they can sleep inside, they can be out with their buddies, they can do, they can do patrols. One of my favorite things to watch the chimps do, and it's a, it's a natural wild behavior that they do, they patrol their area. So they will go around the entire five acres and cover the whole thing to make sure they do a peri- what's called like a perimeter watch. Yeah, they do no it. invaders. Yeah, every day, every morning and every afternoon. It's really neat to see. That's awesome. I think something else that's really great about our variety of enclosures yeah. is that we have the ability to shift and move chimps so that they're not, they don't always have to be in the same space. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, an, I think a novelty as well for them so that they're not always variety seeing, stimulus seeing this. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, you have lots of like toys and barrels yep. and <laughs> balls and stuff like that. So in the wild, they, especially males, will display to be like, I'm the boss. And so they make a lot of noise and run around banging branches and things like that. So we provide things for them to do that here as well because it's a part of their daily life. And so all the barrels, they can sit on them, they can bang on them, they can move them around, they can do anything. All of those toys and furniture for them to explore, use as they want, provide different environments. Show off. Show off. So, all of those are it, a, a lot of showing off in chimps. Isn't <laughs> oh, there like more than like say a bonobo or so? Well, I don't know if they're necessarily be. Yeah, a less than that. Our bonobos do less. I have not personally worked with bonobos, mm. but I know that they are not as rambunctious. Because there's not there's not like there's such a rigid hierarchy with bonobos necessarily, or at least it's females are yes. kind of more more in charge of that. Um, so there's a bit more of a difference there. Um, so it, as far as, uh, different personalities go, are there, are there some chimps that are, um, more curious about humans than others? Yes. Um, some of our chimps have, we don't always know their history, but we try to focus on their future mm-hmm. and both. Given some of their history, they've had different levels of experience with people, and that influences how they interact with us. And some of them love people. They love to play chase or any of those interactions with people, and some of them could care less if you were there. So it really varies widely on um, their interactions with people, but we all try to give them the inter- the opportunity, if they want to interact with people, that they can. Hmm. Um yeah, and I think just to touch on those interactions with people, it's um, always through you know a barrier. We have a strict no touch policy, so we're not you know yeah. actually like yeah. hanging out with the chance yeah. like that. <laughs> it's through protected right. contact. Once so. again, they're <laughs> yeah. insanely strong. That's and right. Very strong. Yeah, they we don't have AIDS, we don't so. recommend we don't yes. recommend um, yeah. touching chimps ever. Right. Yeah. That's. Uh, I, I think. I heard, do you guys have one chimp here that used to, I don't want to dwell on the past, right? that used to be a, a pet at one point? Yes. Henry was a personal, privately owned pet, and we... <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Which we, we also strongly it's, recommend against. It's, uh, <laughs> so. You know, after, I, I learned that lesson after my, after my pet hippo got a little large and then my pet giraffe I was like you know, said, well, they're so cute when they're babies and right. then after a while right so they so Henry was a pet and he now lives in a group with other chimps and he's actually the alpha so we integrated him successfully but that's funny we, that, that he's the alpha yeah, did he just learn it. a bunch of tricks or something like that from like <laughs> a, a tool use or something i think well he, he yeah had, he was pretty he socially savvy with just knowing different things just because he's had kind of a different yeah. growing up he he we based on his personality and his history we tried to house him with individuals he'd get along with so that wouldn't challenge him since he doesn't know yeah. About being challenged or something like that. So that's what we do to. Sorry. Well, <laughs> no, he had to. I mean, a lot of chimpanzee behavior is learned. 
right? right. So he had to spend a lot of not being raised with other chimps. He had a bit of a learning curve to learn how to mm-hmm. act like a chimp. Oh, and that's interesting too that that maybe he had these other tricks that he had learned, and and chimps love learning new tricks. I mean, just just from I mean, um, in, in animal programming, they try. You know, you're you're seeing kind of the most salient, exciting stuff, which is you know probably a lot of the day isn't as exciting as it looks on Animal Planet or whatever. Right. <laughs> but um, but you know you'll see uh, you'll see some orangutan picks up some new move, and then all of the other ones are really interested in this new you know food scooping trick or whatever it's figured out. You guys do a lot of is. Um, uh, a lot of interest, like the uh, the termite mounds, um, mm-hmm. which this is something that's in the wild, right? Can you explain? That? So in the wild, they have obviously different kinds of termites in Africa where chimps are naturally, and we try it, those termite mounds are pretty big and very strong. So we try to simulate that here between cement and mesh and PVC pipes all put together and filled with things like sugar-free applesauce, and they have to go and find their own sticks and fish out the applesauce. We don't encourage the termites to take up residence. But. <laughs> right, right, of course. You're just so. um, uh, simulating the same kind of structure that they would right. have to dig around in with sticks or whatnot to yeah. explore. Um, yeah, it is, it's interesting how much, um, how much choice, even, even with something that probably isn't the most fun for the chimps, but like when they have to get a physical or whatever and you have to sedate them, um, they, they have a, a choice in how, how they get, um, sedated a little bit as well, right? Like they. Yes, to some degree, they'll separate themselves and they do know what's happening. Right. So sometimes we do need to, Try to see everybody, make sure everybody's doing well. Right. And that is part of their care here at Chimp Haven to make sure that they're doing well because chimps are very good at hiding pain and illness and things like that. So we may not know until we get things like blood or other things like that will tell us if they're doing well. And so we, we do give them some choice on when or who goes and that kind of thing because they're smart enough to know what you're going to do. Is it um is it the males often that will hide like like my grandpa refuses to go <laughs> <to> the <doctor. laughs> Um it varies. They they're real different smart. personalities. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them actually are very you know, they're very they've been positively trained to come up and present for their physical and they'll be sedated because that's the only real safe way to go in with them and right. get the information that we need. Of course. Or attend to any wounds or illnesses and things like that. So some of them do know how to do that. We encourage that training and positive training to be part of their physicals and, and well-being. How, how, much, um, how, much veterinary, uh, uh, um, how many veterinarians are on staff here? We have one full-time veterinarian and a part-time vet as well and typically have two veterinary tech ex- tech assistance oh. that helps. So it's, it's, it's a team of four. So what's, what's that? This is just like a constant daily rotation going and giving regular physicals. And then when there's something that needs to be addressed, I won't say that they give physicals every day. I, um, mm-hmm. certainly we, we definitely do not do physicals in the heat of the summer or the dead of the winter because right. it's too uh. cold or too hot to have a group separated for that long. Right. And we might need the bedroom space for things like recovery because they got to wake, wake up from anesthesia. It's just like a person does. So we try to do them in the spring and the fall. But and there is... It's just a lot of monitoring, just kind of right. visually. Right. There is plenty, plenty of work for the vet staff outside right. of physicals. So I would say about half of our population or maybe more receives some form of medication or supplement mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. And with... 204 chimps here. So you could say over 100 chimps every day need some sort of medication. So that alone, um, administering those and knowing which chimp gets which medication every day, it's quite a task. And mm. um, I think that every day they try to um, make visual contact with every single chimp. 
Yep. That is just to make sure that they're doing okay. You know, you're looking at them for wounds or just monitoring their health. Does mm-hmm. it look like they're feeling okay today? Is something new? So that they know if there's something that needs to be treated. And we try to have everyone involved. So I'm part of the behavioral staff, and we'll all check on them as well. And then all of the caregivers we have, they'll check on them as well. If anybody sees anything, no matter how small, they are free to tell the vet and vet techs, and they will follow up. We always try to be very consistent in caring for them. So any little thing, even if they've just lost a fingernail, (laughs) report it to the vets. They'll check it out and make sure everything's fine. Some of them are trained for special uh, medical behaviors, like we have laser therapy, and we have, and all of this is positive reinforcement training. It's particular laser kind. therapy. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, you, like we are um, high tech here yeah. in our vet department. <laughs> really, uh, we are. It so, is. It was a neat. It's uh, sophisticated. Yeah, it was. It's. I've actually done it for uh, older chimps. It's actually pretty good for like arthritis, and you don't put it right on their their um, hair or their skin, but. Um, I don't know what kind of laser it is. Hmm. It's, Anyways, it's a type of therapy that a, helps with arthritis, yeah. and we use it for the chimps. So we try to make huh. them comfortable. They also, if they need, they'll get pain meds. But in general, you don't want to, like, over-medicate them. So if we can make them comfortable without too much medication, we try to do that. I have I have some aches and pains. Can yeah. I can I have the best look me over? Great. I, I think it helps with wound care too. So like, uh, if are you serious? You've yeah. done the laser treatment before. Yeah. <laughs> so when we were learning yes. about how to do it on the chimps, we did it to ourselves. Ah. And I had like a sinus infection or something at the time. They lasered my little. Head around my nose, so it feels pretty good. Yeah. How come I don't it's get amazing. these lasers? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's so expensive. I have no idea. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Huh. That's so, that's well, we have great. one of those now that serves um, our colony, our population of chimps. And, you know, if, as we said, we're spread out over 200 acres. We mm-hmm. hope to add another one of those um, to our um, If you don't. Equi- I was curious if you don't know the answer. This is fine, but um, but what kind of supplements are are chimps getting? Are they getting like fish oil and, yeah. and muscle milk protein? If they need it, if they need it, yeah. absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like insure, you know, to make sure that maybe an older chimp is getting all the nutrients it might need. Or really, they let's get say um, like people air, airborne. Huh. Sometimes if there's like a cold or something yeah. going around, the chimps will get airborne. Really, they get, yeah. Um, We'll give them fiber bites if they're having some tummy troubles. Um, oh, and oh, all sorts of things. Vitamins. Anything you can think of that you might want for a person, we might also do for I think like gl- glucosamine, you know, which is good for joints and cartilage and that type mm-hmm. of thing. Huh. Yeah, yeah, all that different stuff. Wow. They it really, are. and it depends yeah. on the chimp. Yeah. Um, really what they need. Hmm. Uh, that's interesting. They're they're very well cared for. So, as a um, as a behavior specialist, what kind of is there is there a, re, um, a bit of research being done as well um, here as far as yes observational we, or right. So we do not do anything invasive, and we do not do anything to separate. So we will not pull a, a chimp out of their group to do any kind of research. So the research we try to do here is non-invasive research that we do observations on. So if you don't have like the wire monkeys and stuff like that. Nope, Marlos. none of none of that. We don't do any anything to really change their daily life. Right. We just watch what they do daily, mm. and we actually have two postdoc positions, and they do their own kind of research, and I also do some as well, and we also watch the some of our oops babies to see about how they're developing. Do they know you're calling them oops babies? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. That's our own little secret. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're so, they're great. I love them. How old are they? Natalie will be four in August. Tracy is nine. Yeah. And Valentina Rose is four. Rose is four, yeah. She'll be. Yeah, she'll Nine, be five. Nine's and, about nine's full grown, four, isn't yeah. it? Uh, is a it's considered or close to adolescent? One. Yeah, like a teenager. When uh, one's fertility, like twelve years old or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, but um, weirdly in captivity they can um, 
be, probably because their weight is a little heavier than in the wild. They have more resources. They, or, yeah, so. They might go into puberty a little earlier. Right, yeah. They have more fat right. store, uh, <laughs> right. energy stored. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Um, Hmm. So, so what what kind of um, oh. observations and and work has been done? Uh, like any, okay. Well, any one of the things that we're doing. Yes. Or? Okay. So one of the things that we do here at Champaign is we have a partnership with Lincoln Park Zoo mm-hmm. through an Arcus grant, and our postdoc Bethany Hansen is working on that. We are actually trying to see the relationship between the public and the chimpanzees at a zoo, and the public and chimpanzees at a sanctuary. So that is part of what she watches. She watches when we have public days, what the chimps do. And if we have school groups come around and go on tour, she'll watch the chimps to see how they react to a group and things like that. So that's one of the projects we have going on. They seemed very interested um, in me or just people in general when I was around. I mean, some of them didn't seem to pay any attention whatsoever, and then others were just like, Sitting and staring, and I always think of chimps as like the worst nosy neighbor. They want to know what everybody is doing all of the time, no matter who you are. So anything new, they're all over there looking. If anybody, if any of the other groups, if a group is having a disagreement, all the other groups around will go look and what's going on and walk around, make sure everything's cool. So there, if you're new and different, even if you're not new and you're just coming up, they'll be like, oh, oh, it's you. Or they'll be like, oh, my gosh, someone new. Look at this person. So they they really like to see all the different people on gyms. <laughs> um, I, I am curious, when, when you're putting some of these groups together, I mean, I, I think it's it's probably um, uh, a, maybe a little bit of an unfair stereotype, but chimps, chimps do have a bit of a reputation of being a, a little bit toward the aggressive side, right? They, they can be at times. Yes. How, how much of a... How much of an issue is that? We definitely take that into consideration. So chimps naturally use aggression in the wild as a means of keep, it sounds odd, like keeping the peace. Mm. So bonobos, as you may know, use sex. Right. Chimps use aggression. (laughs) So it's just a different strategy. It's not necessarily better or worse. It is just a part of their lives. And so when we are introducing chimps, we take into consideration maybe their rank, how aggressive they are, how aggressive they are to others, things like that. Those will go into play when we choose who they go with. Mm. Do they, aside from aggression, do they also use, um, like, affiliative means and grooming and um, forming alliances and, and that sort of thing? Yes. That is obviously my favorite part, when they like each other. And so they'll do... A variety of chimp behaviors, hugging, kissing, um, all of those affiliative things that you think are very positive, playing, those are all really wonderful reactions to see to an introduction, and hopefully you help them form a new bond Mm. and a friendship. Um, All right, well, um, before we start wrapping up, was there anything else? Um, that you wanted to cover before? Because I, I want to talk about what, what people can do um, to support your organization. And we've already talked about people. Uh, first off, if, if people do want to come for a visit, um, what should they do to find out about the uh, what, what days are available? And cause you, the, So six days a year? Six days a year. We are a sanctuary. So you know we're not open to the public every day. Mm-hmm. Just those special days for our chimpanzee discovery days. I think everybody should visit our website, which is chimphaven.org, and you can click on the events tab, and it will show you all the dates for those chimpanzee discovery days, as well as some of the other things we do, like chimp chat and chew, and the other activities that are available so they can find out when they can come for a visit. Okay, and if people want to um, support what you're doing and learn more, what can they do? One important thing for people to know is that Chimp Haven is an independent nonprofit organization. That means we have to rely on public support for all of our operations. If it 
weren't for donations from the public, from individuals and corporations and foundations all across the country, we wouldn't be able to operate. And that includes, you know, chimp care. That includes our education programs. All of that is so important. So we certainly ask the public to consider making a donation to Chimp Haven. You can definitely do that through our website or um, give us a call, you know. Yeah, uh, great. I, I'll, I'll also have, I always have a link on the website, uh, herewearepodcast.com yeah. website. Yeah. We'll have a link as well. This is a really large facility. Is this, is this the biggest um, chimp sanctuary in the country? It's it is not the largest in terms of population, okay. no, but we do expect to grow. I mean, we're at 204 right now, and we think that up to 50 more chimps can arrive before this year is over. Because you you guys get mostly, most of the, isn't, isn't most of like the retired from federally funded research? That's right. As the National Chimpanzee Sanctuary, any federally owned chimp is retired to Chimp Haven. So this is a big deal if you it, if you care about that. We are kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, the humble little town. That's right. Know. That's right. <laughs> it, it's kind of a hidden jewel back here, you know. And we'd love for people to come out and visit us and consider making a donation so that we can care for this population and care for those fifty that are going to join us this year, and hopefully, you know, the hundreds more that can join us in the future when we're able to expand our facilities, which is going to be a big undertaking, and we certainly need public support for that. Well, thank you very much, Ruth Frazier and uh, uh, Leilani. Uh, (laughs) I I, I had to practice Leilani so many times before. It's funny because my listener always gets to, I always explain to them how, how badly I butcher each of my guests' names, so they're quite used to it at this point. Leilani Case. Um, and thank you, Champ Haven, for, uh, for having me. And thank you, listeners, for being curious. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you go to the Champ Haven website and learn more. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm not sure who's going to be on the podcast next week because I haven't recorded them yet, but I have a couple of great guests lined up, so I'm sure it will be fantastic. Um, if you are hearing this on time, um, before the 16th and 17th, I am in San Francisco, uh, coming up. I also will be in Wilmington doing another live podcast as well as my other shows. And I will be in Myrtle Beach after that before a quick two month or two week, sorry, break to do a bunch of promotion before my big fall tour. More details on that soon. I'm going to keep teasing it like this until I have uh, everything locked up and can put it on my site for you guys, but it's going to be big. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Please go and, uh, again, we're brand new to Reddit, so I'll plug that this week. Um, the Here We Are podcast subreddit. Check it out. Um, there's a few people commenting on there. I, uh, I'm, I'm new to Reddit myself. I'm still trying to figure it out. So come on and figure it out with me. Um, and other than that, uh, you can always write me at the herewearepodcast.com website and I will talk to you next week. Say uh, Seinfeld was on an island yeah. and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Oh, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you. Fuck.